Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. So this morning as we uh, close out uh, our series, we're going to actually end our series kind of where we began it. So in the sense that the very first week of Got at the Box Office, I picked a movie that was the first movie I saw in 2019. I want to end this morning with the final movie I saw in 2019. And here's what that means. That means that the movie that I had previously advertised to do in this series, Got at the Box Office, we're not going to do. So for all of you raving man, mad Disney fans out there this morning, please find it in your heart to forgive me. <laughs> the movie I'm going to focus on and talk from today is the movie Harriet. It's based on the life of Harriet Tubman. Now, there are two reasons I'm choosing this movie to round out our series. The first reason is a practical reason. So whenever I'm praying into a series like God at the Box Office, I'm actually reflecting on movies I had seen and movies that I felt the Lord would may want me to bring and share, but I'm limited. And what I'm limited by is I'm limited by movies that have been released on DVD, Because if they've not been released on DVD, I'm pretty limited on the collateral I can bring. And then we have to end up relying on something like YouTube, which often is very questionable what we can get from YouTube. And so when I chose to do this series, I picked movies that I knew were on DVD. And this particular movie was not released. It was a fall release of 2019, released around the holidays. And so I had no expectation when I was choosing the movies that this movie was going to be available. But on January the 28th, Harriet was released on DVD. Voila. The second reason I'm choosing to do this particular movie is a more important reason. It's because of its symbolic significance. February, as many of you know, is Black History Month. It's an annual observance which is also known as African American month. And so this particular month is really set aside and designated to remember the people and the events in the history of the African diaspora in the spreading of Africans across the globe. In our case here in America, coming by enslaved people who were brought to this country. President Gerald Ford at the United States Bicentennial Celebration, actually recognized Black History Month as a nationwide observance that we could never forget. And here's his words, and I quote. He said, this is to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. I'm going to read that again to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. Listen, Harriet does that very thing. In fact, her life is a living testament to actually our vision verse here at Grace Crossing Church. By now, many of you have heard this verse Many of you are familiar with this verse, but I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to issue a challenge this year. 
In 2020, if there's only one verse you can commit to memory to say from heart, I want you to make it Micah 6.8. I want this beating in the heart of our church so deeply because this is what God asks of all of us and is our unique contribution that we believe God wants us to make to the work of his kingdom here in this community and around the globe. Now, I want to do this reading a little different this morning. I want to read this together as a responsive reading. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first part of it through the question. And then I'd like you to join me in reading the response that God gives to the question. I'll prompt you the first time. We're going to do it twice. The second time we'll do it without prompt. And we'll read it together. I'll read through the question You help me read the response. Here it is. He has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Let's say it together. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let's do it a second time without prompt. He has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Those are faith words. Justice, mercy, and humility. But these are also action words. Act, love, walk. You cannot have faith without action. And what Harriet's life represents and it's really illustrated throughout this movie, is that Harriet Tubman was a woman of faith. She was a woman who chose to act upon her faith. That is really illustrated in the first scene I want you to see this morning. Harriet has just learned that her master and her master's family are angry with her because she wanted her freedom. And so she learns of the decision that her master had made to sell her further and deeper into the South, further removed from her freedom, from a state where she could enjoy being a free individual. And she decides to do what is considered the unthinkable. She decides to become a runaway slave. She's told by her father to go see the Reverend Samuel Green and trust him to find her way. Take a look at the scene. Ben Ross' daughter. Girl, what you doing out here alone this time of night? You done lost your mind. Come on. My daddy say I asked you to pray for my journey. You the one with the spells? Yes, sir. And you intend to run? They gonna sell me south. Away from my husband and family. Which mean they motivated. You money them. Unless word spread, you run off. Then you damage goods. They'll beat you 
How will you owe us? Now you go alone. You got about a half chance in a foxgrove. Slavers don't get you than the copperheads or the timberwolves will. Can you even read, child? Maybe nobody knows you're gone. Maybe you, you sneak back for daylight. I ain't going back. I won't be free. There's not much time. It's near midnight. You got to be miles away from here for dawn. Now I need you to remember what I tell you. Can you do that? Yes, sir. Fear is your enemy. Trust in God. This final seven words spoken by Reverend Green provides us our big idea for this morning's talk. Faith is the courage to trust God in the face of fear. Faith is the courage to trust God in the face of fear. I want to shine this morning the spotlight on two unlikely characters that we read about in Scripture. Actually, both of their names appear in the same chapter of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 has been coined God's Faith Hall of Fame. So Hebrews chapter 11 is actually the who's who among people of faith from the Old Testament, from people who actually were Hebrew followers. There are 17 names that are given to us in Hebrews chapter 11. There's a score of others that are unnamed, but there are 17 people who are lifted out by name in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, not surprising when you think of God's faith hall of fame, not surprising Moses appears there. Moses, the great deliverer. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us about Moses, verses 24 through 27. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Like Moses, Harriet made a decision. She chose to be mistreated rather than just living and enjoying the pleasures that she found when she became free, which we'll talk about in a few moments. Like Moses, Harriet actually said, I'm going to run from where I am and I'm going to consider my faith in Christ of greater value than all the treasures that I could enjoy being a free woman. Like Moses, Harriet looks toward her reward. 
her eternal reward. Like Moses, Harriet actually is not fearful of what could happen to her. She's not afraid of her master. She, she's not afraid. Oh, she has fear, but her courage is pushing her through it to choose to trust God in the face of her fear. And like Moses, Harriet endured by keeping her eyes on him who was invisible, but she could clearly see him. Now, if you've never read the wider context of our vision verse, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it would be good to read. Because here's the story that leads us in to Micah 6, 8. Micah chapter 6, verse 4. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and Aaron and Miriam. Like Moses, Harriet too was a great deliverer. She actually is the most famous individual on what was called the Underground Railroad. She was a conductor in an elaborate system of transportation and safe houses and people that could be trusted. But she, of all of them, was the most famous and still is the most famous conductor in the Underground Railroad. Now, if you've never been to the Freedom Center down in Cincinnati, the Underground Railroad Freedom Center, I would urge you this year to put it on your bucket list to go. Because I can tell you, it will change your life and your understanding of just how dark it was in our country for people who were enslaved. Harriet, like Moses, chose to trust God in the face of her fear and she in turn come, becomes God's great deliverer. She personally and single-handedly led over 70 slaves to find their freedom. It's pretty remarkable. And there's another individual that I want to put the spotlight on this morning. It's actually a second inductee in God's Faith Hall of Fame. But this particular person is very unlike Moses. In fact, when you first learn about this individual, you kind of find yourself scratching your head because their inclusion and their induction in God's Hall of Fame seems a little suspect and a little unusual. Of all 17 people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, two are women. One of those women is a woman by the name of Rahab. Now, when you consider all the giants of faith that are mentioned in the Faith Hall of Fame, it puts you on your heels when you understand the life and the legacy of this woman, Rahab. Just consider a few things we know about her. Rahab was a Canaanite woman Israel were the arch-hated enemies of the Canaanites. They would have soon seen the Israelites obliterated from the face of the earth. Canaanites had no love for God's people Israel. When you think Canaanites, think Palestinians. 
And, and what you have about this woman is she is a Canaanite woman, but there's something else about her name and about her claim to fame that's remarkable. She's a woman with a reputation, but not a favorable reputation. Hebrews 11.31 tells us about her. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. Now here's the story. Joshua is leading God's people Israel into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. Before they go in to actually follow God's leadership in what they're about to do to take their promised land, here's what God says. God instructs Joshua to send spies. And he sends several spies into Canaan to investigate their military might and power to kind of strategically help them understand what they're up against. When these spies get to Canaan, what better house to go to than a house where men are coming and going all the time. What a way to stay under the radar and not be detected by going to the house of a prostitute where men would come and go and they could maybe somehow find a safe place to do their work. Now Rahab, the prostitute, as the scripture oft always says when it, when it refers to her, she actually has two options here. Option number one is she can sell them out. She could go to the authorities. She could let them know these men have come. They are Israelites. They are here to do us harm. And I want you to know they're taking safe harbor in my home. She could have been a hero in Canaan. She opted to do the second thing. She opted to actually cooperate with them. And in the process, she herself becomes a spy. She actually is working with the spies to help them take care of their job. She's doing an inside job, as it were. When I think of Harriet Tubman, I think of Rahab, not because of her lifestyle, but because of the faith she exhibited in the courage to face fear by trusting in God. She knew what was at stake. If she was found out, her life is over. You know what Rahab the prostitute's legacy is that she leaves us? She is God's great deceiver. She is a bold-faced liar because when the authorities come to her and say, we know men have come here and we want to know where they are, she actually says they're no longer here. They've left the city through the gate. You may be able to track them down. And they were under a pile of flax on top of a roof, hiding. She's covering for them. Of all of the exploits of Harriet Tubman, one of the most remarkable is that she became a spy for the Union Army during the Civil War. Many people don't know this about Harriet Tubman, but Harriet Tubman is one of the only women to lead an armed regiment into battle. She was not a military warrior. 
She had no training. She had no education. She couldn't even read. But she had something on her side. She had faith. She had faith that was the courage to trust God in the face of fear. And so here's the deal. If, if fear has a face, then I would suggest to us that so does faith. And in the life of Harriet Tubman, I think we can see the face of faith in her life. In fact, there are three faces of faith that I think are illustrated in the life of Harriet Tubman that are remarkable. They are faces that we see in the scripture, throughout the Bible, and we see them in the story and the life of Harriet Tubman. Let me give them to you this morning. Here's the first one. Faith, faith dares to do what others say cannot be done. Faith dares to do what others say cannot be done. So in the scene that you're about to see, Harriet makes the decision that she is going back to Maryland to free other slaves, a 100-mile journey. She goes to a man by the name of William Still, who actually is leading and directing the Pennsylvania Anti-Slavery Society. And she asks for his help. And I want you to see what she's told and how she responds. Take a look. I know Mr. Beecham over on Pine. I want you to take this around to this afternoon. Harriet, how are you? I need your angels to help me get my husband and family. Well, Harriet, that's, that's not how this works. My angels are a part of a sophisticated network, not for your personal use. Now, I trust we're doing what we can for the family. I feel something wrong, William. I can't sleep. Please help me. Listen, Harriet, uh, our work has gotten a lot more dangerous. Slave owners are getting frustrated with the amount of runaways. Federal judges, marshals, and slave catchers are working together. Even Congress is threatening to pass laws to appease the South. If you won't help me, I'll go myself. Hey, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Harriet, I can't have you risking your life on this network because you're lonely. Rescuing slaves requires skill and careful planning. It requires reading, Harriet. Can you read a sign or a map? Can you read it all? I put my attention on trying to hear God's voice more clearly. Do you know what would happen if you got caught? They would torture you until you pointed them right to this office. You got lucky, Harriet. And there's nothing more you can do. Don't you tell me what I can't do. I made it this far on my own. God was watching, but my feet was my own. Running, bleeding, climbing, nearly drowned. Nothing to eat for days and days, man. I made it. So don't you tell me what I can't do. You don't know me. Faith actually looks fear in the face and says, don't tell me what I can't do. I think what Harriet Tubman shows us in this scene is she actually shows us a really important principle of faith in Scripture, and it's this. Faith works figuratively and literally. Faith 
works. Faith works because, in a a figurative sense, faith is actually God's mysterious work in our lives and through our lives. But faith literally works in the sense that faith gets its hands dirty. Faith follows its feet to places maybe no one else would go. Faith attempts things that everyone else says, you are crazy, you will never be able to do this. And yet faith at times can look fear right in the face and can say, I can do what others say can't be done because God is on my side. I think the point that Harriet Tubman illustrates for us in this scene, it's really important, is that this faith is not a noun. Faith is a verb. James chapter 2 actually really drives this home for us, verses 24 through 26. We are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Don't miss that. We are shown to be right with God or justified, not by our head knowledge, Not by simply knowing about God or simply saying, I believe in God or Jesus. There's more to it. Now notice the illustration James gives us. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example of this. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. If you remove your breath today, you have no life. Faith has no life unless there is action to prove it. And what Harriet Tubman does is through the face of faith, she dares to do what others say cannot be done. Here's the second face of faith we see in Harriet's life and in the movie. Faith dares to see what others fail to see. That's what faith is. Faith dares to see what others fail to see. Probably the thing that impacted me most as I watched Harriet was her faith in God. I mean, so often in her journey, she is coming back to the point of her faith, her trust in God right in the face of her fear, and she's knowing that God, she's confident God will lead the way. So there's a scene in the movie that will, for those of you who know the Bible fairly well, will actually feel a lot like Moses at the Red Sea or Joshua at the River Jordan. Because in this scene, Harriet has gone back and she for the first time is now bringing her family into freedom. Others find out she's, she's come back and they want to join her and she includes them. And on the journey, like Moses, her leadership is challenged. Did God really lead her? Is she really listening to God? I want you to see how her faith is demonstrated. Take a look.
what's wrong with her? She breathed. I meant to procure you that way. What are we supposed to do? Wait? She our leader. Get her! Don't touch her! She's talking to God. They're coming. We gotta go. We can't go this way. There's danger. God say which way we can go? Left. Isaac, help Miss Lucy. Uh, Junior, help Jane. This fool trying to drown us. Lindsay, you done gone fool crazy. We got an old woman and a baby with us. Oh, we ain't going in that river. Come on, y'all. I say we are. Now you be free or die. I ain't leave my wife and my family to drown like no rat. You wanna shoot me? Hmm. Go ahead. Is she drown? Who gonna lead us? She the only one know the way to freedom land. I want to see freedom land before I die. I'll lead you to the bridge. Follow me. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on. scene. Moses never pulls a gun, but he does pull a rod. And he hits the water, and the Bible says it parts. But can you imagine if the waters hadn't parted? That's the kind of faith Harriet had. She actually trusted God as she wades in, in the face of fear. Knows that God is going to see her through. Man, I wish I had time this morning to really unpack this part. But suffice to say that faith dares to do what others say cannot be done. And faith dares to see what others fail to see. But here's a third face of faith. 
Faith dares to say what others fear to say. Faith dares to say what others fear to say. In this scene, final one this morning, Harriet is invited to the home of a senator. And as she arrives, she finds herself in the midst of a crowd of very highly educated, highly successful, wealthy people. She is just simply a runaway slave turned freedom fighter. She's plain. She's simple. She's uneducated. She's not well-spoken. And yet in the middle of this crowd of people, when she no doubt would have felt tremendously intimidated, she dares to say what nobody in that room had the courage to say. It's a profound scene. I want you to take a look at it with me. Harriet. So sorry to hear about your sister. I failed her, William. We failed her. Harriet, this is uh, Senator William Seward. Mr. Tubman. It's an honor to welcome you to my home. My condolences. How can I help? Five hundred miles. Five hundred miles from the Mason-Dixon line to Canada. An unimaginable distance. Slave catchers are monitoring all northbound travel. God help the man without free papers. How are we going to get our passengers from the southern farms and plantations all the way to the border of Canada? We can't keep trying to outrun them. We have to fight. The only way to make the fugitive slave law a dead letter is to make half a dozen or more dead slave catchers. That will cool their ardor. You may be right. Civil war might be our only hope. We can't just give up and wait for war. We need to get back to work bringing slaves to freedom. By a train or carriage, horseback, on foot if necessary. Harriet. The journey from Maryland to Canada is 600 miles from the Canadian border. Your longest trip was 100. Now that would take months, not weeks. You can't... I ain't giving up rescuing slaves because it's far. Many of you don't know slavery firsthand. You were born free. You've been free so long you forget what it's like. You've gotten comfortable. And important. You got beautiful homes, beautiful wives. But I remember. Jim beat for not working, for they understand what work is. Girls raped for their first blood. Brothers whipped to their back and ripping sisters, sold from their babies. Try not to think of what they went through. Those still enslaved are going through right now. But I, I've heard their groans and their sighs. I've seen their tears, and I would give every last drop of blood in my veins to free them. So I ain't giving up. 
do what I gotta do. Go wherever I gotta go. However I gotta do it. To free as many slaves as possible. To this beast, this monster called slavery is slain dead. Amen. Back last year, I gathered with a group of pastors, uh, the Dayton Pastors Coalition, to form a kind of a collective response to the KKK rally that was coming here to our community. One of the African-American pastors in our community, um, he and I spoke afterward and just connected with him and his story and he was only two generations removed from slavery. And here's what he said to me, and I'll never forget his words. He said, you know, when people talk about 9-11, they say to us, never forget. When I talk about slavery, people pat me on the back and say, oh, that was 400 years, and that was way in the past. You can just kind of get over that. He said, how do you get over 400 years of history? Faith dares to say what others fear to say. Perhaps the most profound faith-filled words that Harriet ever spoke came at the age of 91 at the end of her life. She borrowed the words from the lips of Jesus when she said on her deathbed, To those family members and beloved people that were gathered around her, she said, I go to prepare a place for you. That was the life and story summarized in one statement of Harriet Tubman. She had always gone to prepare a place. And like Jesus, she wanted them to know, I'm going before you, but you're going to join me. Now, as we close out our series and this service today, I want to give you a challenge that we actually are given from the book of Hebrews chapter 11. The end of the chapter in chapter 11, moving into chapter 12, the author of Hebrews actually shifts focus. For 39 verses in chapter 11, The author is talking about the past, but now the author shifts to the present. He moves from people of faith that had done it, had been there, had lived it, and now he says, now it's your turn to enter into the story. Now it's your turn. I'm giving you an invitation into the same faith adventure that those 17 named people and others who were unnamed Countless others had lived. Here's what the author does. Here's what he says in verse 40 of Hebrews 11. After he talks about all of the people in the, in the faith hall of fame, he says, God had a better plan for us. That their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. 
their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. This is profound. Here's what the author is saying. The author of Hebrews is actually saying, you're part of the story. This faith narrative really is still incomplete until everyone who's in a journey with me fulfills their part of making faith whole. What the author is saying is there's only one faith. There's not multiple faiths. And every one of us, regardless of our ethnicity, regardless of our race, regardless of our socioeconomic status, regardless of the the family of prestige or unimportance that we were born into, regardless of our education, we all belong to the one faith and all of us are invited to round out the faith of those who went before us. And the author doesn't stop there. He moves right into this in chapter 12, verses one and two. This this really drives it home. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Not sins, sin. What is being talked about there? In the context, it is the sin of not trusting God. It's the sin of not having faith. Courage to trust him in the face of fear. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path that he has already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm. We fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. That is God's invitation to us. And here's what this verse reminds me of and it's really important to hear it this morning. There is a faith race that God has set out for me. And I am not called to run someone else's race. And neither are you. I am not called to run the faith race of Moses. He did it in his way, in his day, in God's way, in God's time. I am not called to run the faith race of Rahab. I'm not called to run the faith race of Harriet. I'm not called to run the faith race of Jim Palmer. But I am called to run mine. God has given me a race to run. And as long as I have breath in me, my job is to fulfill and finish the race that God has given. So that one day it can be said of all of us, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I've kept the faith. And now there's laid up for me a treasure in heaven but not for me only, but for all who long for my appearing. We are invited into the same race. We'll face a different road. Our obstacle course is not going to look like those who precede us, but we have to be faithful to run our race of faith. And I want to encourage you today. That's how God invites you. So let me ask you, have you let go of your wounds? Have you let go of the sin that so easily entangles you? 
And are you running your race, your faith race with perseverance, fixing your eyes on Jesus, not on the circumstances of life, not on impeachment, not on this year's political contest, not on the coronavirus, not on what's happening in Iran and the Middle East. Are you fixing your eyes as you are running your faith race on Jesus Christ and him alone? Not on some political party or some influence, but on the gospel. That's God's invitation to us. And my challenge to you as your pastor is run with perseverance. The race God has set out for you, just like Harriet did. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.